Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. From New York City for our audience worldwide, good morning, good morning. Breaking news, the President of the United States to nominate Chairman Powell to a second term as Fed Chair, to nominate Governor Brainerd as Fed Vice Chair. That news coming from the White House in the last few seconds. That news this morning, the President of the United States to nominate Chairman Powell to a second term as the Fed Chair. From New York City alongside Tom Keane, Lisa Abramovitz, I'm Jonathan Farrow. Your equity market up four-tenths of one percent. Tom Keane, the Chairman. Getting a second term, at least he's been nominated for one. This one goes to the hearings. The market looks like it likes it up 15 on futures, now up 20. John still moving higher in the yield was from a 156 and change out to 158.05. Elisa, it's a split. The president nominating Chairman Powell to a second term. Brainerd, Governor Brainerd, nominated as Fed Vice Chair. Yeah, the idea here, going with the status quo in the sense of trying to have continuity at one of the most perilous times, some people would say, for Fed policy, uh, possibly in history, based on how low rates are and how high inflation is. This is about two things, Tom Keane, continuity one and confirmability two. We can talk about continuity <clears throat> at a, an important inflection right. point for monetary policy. We need to talk about confirmability as well. Perhaps that's shaping the decision down in Washington, D.C. a focal point, John. Here and we're going to have a wonderful set of guests this hour. We welcome all of you on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television, this special hour of Bloomberg Surveillance. What Michael McKee and I know, there's been other times where we've had reappointments, maybe without that focus. I went back and looked at Bush Greenspan the fourth or fifth time, and it wasn't really that big a deal. Why is this a big deal, Michael McKee, this time? <laughs> Well, we've gone into a, a different kind of world, Tom, uh, in terms of monetary policy, things that Alan Greenspan never had to contend with, never had to consider uh, with the uh, qual quantitative easing, with quantitative uh, tightening, uh, with all the things that the Fed has done to expand its balance sheet, the zero bound. Uh, there's a lot going on for the Fed, and it has become front and center in the United States as people have decided the Federal Reserve is the economic savior for the country. Also, the economic whipping boy, Jay Powell, gets to play both roles in this case. Let's talk about this bond market move as well, guys. Up five basis points yeah. on a two-year, up about four basis points on tens, 159 on 10s right now, up to about 56 basis points on twos. Mike, we can talk about confirmability in a moment. I want to talk about continuity. And for this Federal Reserve chair, staring down some data that is incompatible with an argument that he's made through much of this year, and his vice chair, Rich Clarida, now set to be replaced, Governor Waller, both of them making a move in the last week to talk about accelerating the taper. When we think about the first job of this chairman, before we even see if he gets confirmed for a second term, walk me through the complexities of that through the next couple of months. Well, when the Fed announced that it was going to start tapering, it said it would have a $15 billion a month taper for November and December, but did not put any numbers on January going forward, leaving themselves some room to try to, uh, to have the ability to change. And it does look like they're getting set for a change now, as we're hearing from more and more members of the Fed. Rich Clarida will be on the board for the December 15th meeting. And so uh, we could expect uh, the Fed maybe to start raising to maybe raise the amount that it cuts the uh, the, the buying by yeah. uh, on the 15th. And that then would be a reason you would see maybe the markets moving a little bit because they figure that Jay Powell is going to be much more on board than that than necessarily Lael Brainerd would have been. One of the conundrums heading into next year is the dual mandate, the idea of trying to combat runaway inflation or even higher inflation than they'd like while allowing employment to get to a fuller picture. What happens if you have one, say, high inflation without the other? And how does the distinction of a Powell versus a Brainerd Fed weigh in on this? Well, what the Fed has said is they will look at both of the mandates and they will 
basically do uh, risk management on whichever one seems to be the worst. Their focus is on trying to get unemployment down, but if inflation starts to become more of a hazard and unemployment doesn't look like it's going to immediately drop, then they would attack unemployment. They're hoping in this case that unemployment is, uh, to use the T word, transitory. It will take longer to disappear, uh, inflation, but it will start to fall back. And that's the general consensus on Wall Street as well. In that case, they don't have to make a decision between the two. But tapering faster gets them to the point where they can raise rates if they need to more quickly. If you are just tuning in, for our audience worldwide on TV and radio, the President of the United States nominating Chairman Powell to a second term as the Fed Chair, nominating Governor Brainerd as Fed Vice Chair. This all according to the White House in the last couple of moments. Let's get some market reaction for you from Kathy Jones of Schwab. She joins us. Kathy, great to catch up with you. Your first reaction, please. Um, I, th I think this is a don't rock the boat move. Um, it's uh, it's consistent with you know the long history at the Fed. Usually, Fed chairs are renominated, and it looks <clears throat> like probably there was a thought at the White House that this fighting a battle perhaps over Brainerd was not worth uh, not worth a fight worth having at this stage of the game. Kathy, let's talk about the move in this bond market. Ten-year yields up four basis points, pushing 160 again. The more interesting move for me is pushing 60 basis points to the front end on twos, up by five basis points to 56. Early days, knee-jerk reaction maybe, but Kathy, what's your initial response to seeing that kind of move off the back of this decision? Yeah, clearly um, the market is looking at the likelihood that the Fed will increase the rate of tapering and move up the timing of the first rate hike. Now that Powell has been renominated and you've kind of cleared the decks in terms of of uh, policy, you know, decision making going forward. And I think that that's a reasonable expectation given some of the comments that we've heard from various officials and the fact that inflation has been higher and more persistent than expected. You know, the the Fed really shouldn't um, have any reason to be buying bonds at this stage of the game. It's not really contributing much, and it could be doing some harm. So the faster they taper, um, the better news it is in terms of getting the inflation picture under control. Kathy Jones with us here uh, right now, and Ellen Blinder is scheduled to be with us here uh, in moments. Kathy, I look at the bond market, I look at all the uncertainties forward, and what we see without question is a wall of savings, of liquidity, a buoyant holiday season for the consumer is well. What is the Schwab call on the American consumer next year that Chairman Powell and Vice Chairman Brainerd will confront? Yeah, we're pretty optimistic about the consumer. You know, there's high levels of savings. The job market is is very strong. Wages are rising, particularly for lower income workers. All those are really positive for the consumer. Obviously, it's going to be a something of a constraint if energy prices stay high, because that's a particular pain point for consumers. But by and large, consumers are in good shape. So we're looking for that to continue to drive the economy going forward. Kathy, stay close for the market action. Your two-year yield this morning up by five basis points. We want to head down to D.C. and catch up with Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Horden, our Washington correspondent. Anne-Marie, this is also about confirmability. Can these decisions yeah. actually be realized? Take a listen to that famous quote from Senator Warren in the last couple of months on what she thinks of this chairman. I can't support Jay Powell for renomination. So my view is he ends his term, we put somebody else in place, and I think the Fed is going to be better off, and I think our economy is going to be safer. Senator Warren Emery called him a dangerous man. This president going against the wishes of some of these Democrats. Can you walk me through, just set the stage, frame it for us, what the next couple of months could look like trying to make this happen? Well, the progressives are certainly waking up, probably unhappy with this decision, like Senator Warren, who did call Jay Powell a dangerous man. But also on Friday, Senator uh, Whitehouse coming out with a statement as well. They wanted a new pick at the top. But, Jonathan, as you say, this is about being able to get through that Senate confirmation. Jay Powell was confirmed 84 to 13 in 2014. Many of those people are still in the Senate that are going to be able to push forward. He has bipartisan support. Many uh, credit him to being able to bring the U.S. economy um, out of the pandemic. And then you look at Brainard in 2014, she received 61 to 31. So you already see from their previous uh, nominations and Senate confirmations that Governor uh, Chair Powell had a much easier time in the Senate. So that's potentially part of the decision-making. Also, he was able to remain 
with, with going with Chair Powell, he was able to have this continuity at the top of the Fed, where his predecessor, Trump, decided to get rid of Janet Yellen and elevate Powell. Now, this is something that he likely is going to tout, that he wanted to make sure that the Fed remains independent. At the same time, he's giving a nod to the progressives by making sure Governor Brainard gets a top <clears throat> spot, and she is. Yeah, but Anne-Marie, do we have a sense of what the main hang-up President Biden had with just renominating Jay Powell, say, a month or two ago? It's unclear, but potentially part of it is the fact that there's not just these positions. They have a number of other positions as well at the Fed. So they were probably likely looking at how they would rework the Fed to make it more diverse, uh, to look a little bit more like America. That is something you've heard time and time again Democrats campaign for. So potentially that was part of it. And then when you had these two top selections, Brainard and Powell, then you started to hear and are reporting that you had senators wanting to sit down with each of them. And this is where the counting game probably came in for the White House to make sure that these two individuals can be confirmed. Anne-Marie, down in D.C., our Washington correspondent, sticking with us through this morning on the back of this news. Tom Keane, let's build on the price action. Up at the front end, yields are higher by five basis points. Clear read for the FX market, TK. That dollar, <clears throat> stronger. Well, the dollar's stronger, and I think that's an immovable force here into the new year, John. I think, you know, everybody's doing the outlooks and that, and they'll all readapt and adjust off of this. And there's this, the confirmation process in that. John, the dollar's the global system, and it is a vote today for what President Biden did. A 96 handle on the DXY, the Bloomberg Dollar Index, Lisa, a broader read of that U.S. dollar. More broadly, it's stronger. The idea that if they raise uh, rates, that will end up leading to a money flight into the United States. I do wonder, though, is uh, Chair, By uh, Chair Powell, excuse me, so much more hawkish than Lael Brainerd? Or is he going to have a rather dovish tilt as he tries to wait for the employment market to really pick up? Tom, as you think about the history of the Federal Reserve, I'm with Lisa. I just think on these two nominees, whether it would have been Chairman Brainerd or Chairman Powell for a second term, how much daylight was there between the two? What I think this opens the door to is a much cleaner <laughs> conversation about what took place on Friday off the back of those discussions about accelerating the taper. Now we can have a real conversation, yeah. not about a lamed up chairman in December, but a conversation, Tom, about pushing things forward and maybe pushing things forward a little bit more I, quickly. I think they will be data dependent, John. I, I, I understand the parlor game of taper and rate rise and Matt Luzzetti on with Deutsche Bank. They're July-ish now, I should say, on, a, on some form of rate move. But, John, to me, it's a boom American economy. Frankly, the comments of Dana Telsey on the American consumer are just as important as Matt Luzzetti of Deutsche Bank. To what extent, though, Lisa, right now, are they data dependent? Are they going back to being <clears throat> forecast dependent? Because everything I hear from them is about the future. In the future, <clears throat> this will happen. If we were truly data dependent and we were looking at the data right now, we'd be saying things are stickier, they're broader, and maybe we were really quite wrong about our forecast of what would happen with inflation through the year. And the employment market perhaps is a bit hotter than we previously expected. You raised a really good point, John. The idea that Fed Vice Chair Rich Clarida basically talked <laughs> Friday about accelerating the taper, and we did not see no. any real material reaction in markets. And I was surprised by that today. You raised yeah. the point, people dismissed that as not necessarily being as relevant with new leadership. Well, now all of a sudden, that has new it relevance. Becomes a much more real conversation, yes. doesn't it? If you're just tuning in for our audience worldwide on TV and radio, Tom Keane, we have a decision from the President of the United States to nominate Chairman Powell to a second term as Fed Chair. We all knew this was coming. They came to me a couple of weeks ago and they said, who do you want to speak to? And I said, there's only one voice that matters, and that is Alan Blinder, Princeton University and the former Vice Chair. Alan Blinder, it was a different time, a different place. You know more than anyone on the planet what it's like when a chairman and a vice Chairman, don't get along. You and Chairman Greenspan collegially battled uh, at your time at the Fed. That's not the case now. How will this vice chair assist this chairman? Well, I think perfectly, as she has been as uh, from her seat as governor. You know, it's the same table. She'll have a new title, a better, uh, a higher title. But on monetary policy, as I think Jonathan said uh, a few moments ago, there's been no distance between the two of them. This is pure. Either way, if Lael Brainerd had become uh, a chair, there'd be no discontinuity in monetary policy. And there certainly is not going to be any conflict on monetary policy between Chair Powell and Vice Chair uh, Brainerd. If there's any disagreement, uh, and there probably will be, it'll be on regulatory mm -hmm. uh, 
policy. By the way, that's the way it was mostly between Greenspan and myself way back in well, ancient history. Explain, now that the rules have changed on the linkage of a monetary and fiscal policy, what the voice will be for this new team as this nation tackles trillions of dollars of new debt. Well, you know, the Federal Reserve, this comes back to your taper question that the three of you were just talking about. The Federal Reserve has been buying quite a bit of the newly issued uh, debt, which smooths the way, obviously, for uh, issuance of large amounts of federal debt. That's going to continue, but at a diminished rate. And I, I actually join, I'm part of the school of thought that says they ought to be tapering faster. But let's remember, tapering does not mean withdrawing. It just means easing off the gas pedal. Uh, and that's why I think it's an appropriate thing for the Fed to be doing uh, right now. You know, there are these vaguest hints, uh, the Clarida discussion was just mentioned, that the Fed is thinking that way also. We'll see. But uh, I think they should. And I don't see that, coming back to your previous question, yeah. as a point of contention between Powell and Brainerd at all. Just want to bring you some news, Lisa, just very quickly. 1.20 Eastern Time. We will hear from the President of the United States, Lisa. We'll also hear from the Chair and the Vice Chair. The nominations for both, Chairman Powell and Governor Brainerd, also delivering remarks a little bit later. That's 1.20 Eastern Time. So we'll hear from all three, perhaps, a little bit later. And in the meantime, uh, certain comments are already rolling in from the leadership of the Senate. We do get uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, chair of the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs, coming out and uh, seeming to endorse Fed Chair Jay Powell, saying that he led our economy through a historic pandemic. And under his and President Biden's leadership, unemployment has fallen and workers are seeing increased bargaining power. Alan, when we look forward, what is the biggest risk in your view for the Federal Reserve moving too quickly or waiting too long to raise rates? I think it's probably waiting too long, but I can understand the wait. I, I, I thought you were leading up to a slightly different question. I was going to say, I think the biggest risk that the Fed, it's weighing on the Fed right now is whether we're going to get another wave of COVID infections coming over from Europe as has happened several times in the past. If that happens, we're going to get kicked down the staircase again, and we're going to be looking at the Fed to help us get up. And I think that's a main reason why uh, they're not anxious to lift off on interest rates. That's slightly yeah. separate question from the taper. The taper is pressing on the gas pedal at, an, at a time when it's really not appropriate. The liftoff is when you start tapping the brakes. Uh, a bit. They're not ready to, to do that. And I think this big risk of the disease is a major reason for that. Alan, given what we've heard from Germany this morning and from Europe over the last couple of weeks, I think a lot of people might agree with you. Tom, let's just frame the president's next 24 hours. Just think about this. We're expecting some comments from the president tomorrow about lowering prices. And today he's going to stand alongside Chair Powell and Governor Brainerd to talk about what exactly? The future, stable prices, lower prices. You put those two, to, two events together. And, Tom, they're pretty interesting, aren't they, going into the Thanksgiving holiday? Well, it's a dynamics. It's just simply, John, the, the, into the holidays, I'll take your point in this, John, but what I see here is all new uh, inequality uh, as, as well. I mean, there's the haves and the have-nots. There's a partition, John Farrell, within our society, and that's what they have to confront. Mike McKee, 120 Eastern Time. We'll get some comments from the President of the United States on this, and we'll hear from Chairman Powell and Governor Brainerd. Mike, what are you looking for from those comments a little bit later this afternoon? Well, it's kind of interesting because the president has already scheduled a talk on the economy and inflation for tomorrow. So I'm not sure how much he wants to step on that. But apparently he does want to introduce his two new leaders uh, for the Fed. And we'll probably talk about inflation. That is the key element in the statement the White House put out. Uh, the president is quoted as saying that he appreciates the focus of Chair Powell and uh, Leo Brainerd on inflation and on jobs on full employment, putting inflation as his first priority. So one can assume he's going to try to deal with that uh, both today and tomorrow. I wouldn't expect a whole lot from Jay Powell and Lael Brainerd as nominees. You don't want to get out ahead of the Senate. You want to save anything that could end up being a controversial comment. Until then, uh, they'll thank him and say they're here to help the economy move forward. 
I, I see now uh, Alan Blinder still with us, the former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve and at Princeton. Alan, there was a point long ago and far away where a Federal Reserve chairman was contained. Not only Chairman Powell, but others have changed that rule book for the time of Greenspan uh, Blinder as well. How will the second term of Powell be different? How does he cast the day-to-day, the press conference to press conference differently reappointed? I think that's completely dependent on the state of the economy. Right now, as several of you have just correctly said, inflation is popping up as the main problem facing the Fed, which hasn't been true for years. Like, oh, maybe I should say decades. I mean, it's been a long time since the Fed chair or the FOMC more broadly is really concerned about high inflation, but now they are. And so I think for that reason alone, you'll see a a different tone of rhetoric coming out over the uh, coming months. And eventually, everybody's guessing when, a liftoff on interest rates to try to uh, slow things down a bit and uh, counter the inflationary surge. That guessing game continues this morning with your two-year, your five-year, the yields on both at the highs of 2021, Lisa, off the back of this decision. Some comments from Secretary Yellen, the former Fed chair, of course, saying she's pleased with Powell Brainerd nominations. It will continue to support a strong Federal Reserve. Kathy Jones of Schwab still with us. Kathy, thanks for staying patient and staying close. I want to bring you into the conversation again. We will hear at 1.20 from all three, from the president, from the chair and from the would be vice chair. Let's see how the nominations goes and how that works out down in D.C. But when you hear from Governor Brader and Chairman Powell a little bit later, Kathy, just walk me through your thoughts on this, what you're looking for specifically after we just heard on Friday from Governor Brainerd, from Governor Waller, rather, and Vice Chair Clarida that maybe we should think about going quicker. Yeah, I I think the emphasis, to the extent that they get into policy discussions at all, will be on the inflation problem that's currently front and center right now. Um, We know that Powell's been pretty dovish, as has Brainerd, but I think that because of the optics of this and inflation being the big concern for not only the Fed, but for the administration, that that's where we're going to hear the probably the most interesting comments. I don't know that, that Powell's going to tip his hand and talk about timing of liftoff or changing and tapering or any of those details. But I think the emphasis will likely be on the Fed is very much aware of the inflation threat in front of us and wants to balance that against allowing for a full recovery in the economy. Kathy, how difficult will it be for Fed Chair Jay Powell and Lael Brainard, the uh, the announced potential vice chair, to come out and remain independent and portray a deeply independent streak as President Biden talks extensively about the need to control inflation? Yeah, I don't. I don't see that as a huge problem. Um, you know, I, I think that people will read their comments the way they want to read them from a political perspective. But keep in mind, Brainerd has been at the Fed for many, many years. Powell now has several years under his belt as chair. Um, I think that they can point to their policy moves pre-Biden administration as um, as underscoring their independence, their ability to work through one administration or one political regime or another. Kathy, what about the dual mandate here of inflation and full employment, which takes precedence as we head into next year, given the fact that so much emphasis has been placed on Lael Brainerd putting more of a focus on employment than Chair Powell? Yeah, I, I would say, I would say Paul has also put a big focus on uh, employment. He has been, you know, fully on board with the idea of a broad and inclusive job market. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a very, very difficult task because we're in a very unusual circumstance right now, uh, with inflation popping up, but still having, you know, significant number of people not back at work and wages rising. But I think the shift now will be towards inflation and less so on the job market. Got to do a couple of things this morning. Work out the reaction in the price action in the markets and then work out the reaction down in Washington, D.C. The reaction 
in the markets is pretty clear. Yields up at the front end by six basis points. Now, for a two-year yield, a six basis point move, that's a pretty sizable move. Back towards 57, approaching 60. As two-year yields start to inch higher, you get some dollar strength coming through. The dollar index at 96.42 uh, by four-tenths of 1%. That's a stronger dollar. Your equity market hanging in there up 17 points, advancing a third of 1% on the NASDAQ up four-tenths of 1%. So that's how we're set up in a price action in the markets off the back of this decision. Here's a statement from the President of the United States. America needs steady, independent, and effective leadership at the Federal Reserve. That's why I will nominate Jerome Powell for a second chair, second term as chair of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, and Dr. Leo Brainerd to serve as vice chair of the Board of Governors. There is a ton of reaction in D.C. off the back of this. I want to bring in our Washington correspondent down in Washington, Anne-Marie Hordern. Anne-Marie, we talked about this now for weeks. A lot of people put out statements ahead of time saying, this is who I want to support, this is who I'm against. Right. Walk me through the reaction of the last 25 minutes or so. Well, first, let's point to the reaction of the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, a former chair herself. Remember in the summer, she had said to the president, I think you should continue with the second term for Fed Chair uh, Powell, and she is right now congratulating them. Uh, she's also grateful. She said that the president nominated Dr. Brainard to serve as vice chair, saying that she's a respected economist with years of experience and instrumental in the nation's recovery. So Yellen has her pick. And I always thought it would be very interesting if the president was to go against his own treasury pick in terms of who he's going to renominate. And then we heard from Sherrod Brown on the renomination of Powell for Fed. And it looks like what he is saying is that this is going to be a pretty simple confirmation process. Remember, he is the first line of defense and that hearing that's going to happen in order to get the president's picks through. And he is saying he's looking forward to working with both these individuals. And Marie, what do you make of the fact that independent was mentioned extensively by pretty much every comment that's come out of the Biden administration and beyond? Basically, this is the takeaway at a time when inflation is so much in the forefront of the political agenda. Yeah, two points. The first is going to be on inflation. We have heard the president time and time again when he's touting his economic agenda. It's no longer about the social programs or the bridges. It is about the fact that his economic agenda is going to clamp down inflation. You look at the latest CBS poll, more than 60 percent of Americans think the economy isn't doing well because of inflation. So he wants to make sure that he is remaining at the middle of this recovery, that there is continuity at the Fed, and they're not going to be questioned about what happens with inflation because he kept the, the same horse in the race, to, so, so mm. to speak. If he were to pick uh, elevate Brainard, and inflation does run extremely hot, potentially Biden down the road could have been um, bashed for that. The second thing, of course, is that his predecessor decided to take a different stand. Since the 50s, for the most part, presidents continued, regardless of whether or not it was Republican or Democrat, that was the chair, they continued with maintaining that continuity at the Fed. And he is likely trying to point out that even though Jerome Powell is a known Republican, he has bipartisan support, and that he wants to maintain that tradition when new presidents come in of keeping the Fed chair at the top spot. Again, though, right. a nod to the progressives, because there is an elevation for Dr. Brainard. Uh, Amory Horton in Washington. We're going to continue here. Michael McKee with us, of course, with all of his experience in international economics. Michael McKee, how will this be greeted abroad? There's such a set of different challenges for banks. Does the emerging market structure that is so challenged right now, do they need a Chairman Powell? I wouldn't put it as a need at Chairman Powell, but it will help them to have continuity because they know what to expect. Always better to know uh, what you're dealing with instead of trying to figure out how somebody is going to behave going forward. And in this case, um, the U.S. dollar is going to remain strong and the U.S. is going to and, be and the strongest economy. So emerging markets situation isn't going to change a whole and lot. And John, this is critical. Inequities, in bonds, in commodities. Guess what? The story this morning is the dollar reaction. Yeah, off the back of this move at the front end, Tom, I just can't get away from it. Mike McKee, a six basis point move on a two year. That's hard to ignore. Approaching 60 basis points at about 57. What's your read on that, Mike? That lift at the front end of the back of this decision 27, 28 minutes ago. Well, if I had an accurate read, I'd be a very wealthy man and I wouldn't be here. But uh, my guess, looking at what's happening and uh, looking at the notes from people, that uh, basically it's sort of a relief trade of people who think that 
Powell is a little bit more hawkish than Brainerd, and the continuity will keep the Fed going. And with the talk of speeding up taper, all those things kind of combine into one, and people who were holding back have now done a little bit of a trade. I'm wondering, though, how long it lasts. It may be somewhat knee-jerk. And remember, we get a whole bunch of data on Wednesday ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, and I suspect that will have a very yeah. big impact on John where will be, rates John, are. John will be in Capri by then. Yeah, so I, hopefully I'll make that flight, you know, TK. For anyone just tuning in, there is someone that is paid to do this far better than Mike McKee and I. It's Bob Michael of JP Morgan Asset Management, the CIO of Global Fixed Income. Bob, let's just start with a move in the bond market off the back of this decision. Yields up, yields higher. Your response, sir. Yeah, I think Mike McKee is right. This is a knee-jerk reaction. Powell's been reappointed. I think the market is is assuming we're on track for two rate hikes next year. Uh, but overall, uh, fairly moderate uh, Fed going forward. What's the biggest knee-jerk reaction that you see as a mispricing, Bob? The idea of a five-year going out uh, to nearly 1.3% or the two-year going out and rising six basis points? You know, Lisa, I don't really think there is a mispricing here. I think this is the the central case that the markets expected, um, that Powell would be reappointed. You would have Brainerd as vice chair. You have a very dovish package in there. I think what you have to look at are risk assets, and credit is doing well. Equities obviously had a nice bounce. You've got a Fed in place for the next several years yeah. that's going to be very patient and tentative about normalizing. And Lisa, as you get the open and bound, equities are heading oh, in one I direction. I they clapping for the new, you know, the reappointment. Equities are up, Lisa. They, equities are up four tenths of one percent, even with that move, Lisa, in the bond market and this prospect of tighter monetary policy. That's exactly where we wanted to go, Bob. Is this basically giving a green light to the Federal Reserve to raise rates in the middle of next year and follow it up with another rate hike, just as the market seems to be pricing in? Well, I think there's a lot to go between where we are today and and a year from now. I I think certainly there hasn't been a tremendous amount of pushback on a rate hike or two next year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of commitment from Powell to the administration to be very cautious about the normalizing process and be sure that there are sufficient growth and inflationary pressures. We're seeing them now. Will that continue for an entire year mm-hmm. through they get through the tapering process and then start to raise rates? We think so, but let's wait and see. Well, Michael, J.P. Morgan, with arguably the essay of the weekend, trying to game out our future on inflation. And what it comes down to for our viewers and listeners is a tip point on the 10-year yield. Where in your head is the critical level of 10-year yield where things change? Oh, I, I think north of 2%. I, I think there's a lot of um, clear space between here and 2%. I think the debate as we go into 2022 will be how high can the Fed get the Fed funds rate, and then the yield curve will start to flatten out around there. Um, 2% seems like a pretty good stopping point, build in a slight term premium, call the band 2 to 2.25%. I think we get there over the next several months. Over the next several months, we hit an important and emotional point. What's the experience of J.P. Morgan on what that will do to issuance, to the dynamics of the market that we don't look at each and every day? Well, you should see issuance continue to to come at a very high rate. Uh, When we talk to borrowers, uh, they're cognizant of the fact that growth and inflation are picking up, that the Fed will begin to lift rates, that their funding rate will go up. So they're starting to put in place additional amounts of long-term funding at what they feel are are securely low rates. We are with Bob Michael of JP Morgan Asset Management, the CIO of Global Fixed Income. Off the back of this decision from the White House, the President of the United States to nominate Chairman Powell to a second term of the Federal Reserve and elevate Governor Brainerd potentially to Fed Vice Chair. The reaction in the market is pretty clear. Yields higher through the curve, particularly at the front end of the curve. That means a stronger dollar. And if this equity market open up by about 22 on the S&P, advancing a half of 1%, if you break down the sector price action, there is a big tilt higher. 
in the financials. The banks lease are ripping. The financials up nine tenths of one percent off the back of this bond market move. And this really speaks to the idea that banks hinge particularly on that front end rate that gives them more net interest income. What is interesting, if you look at the yield curve, it is flattening. If you look at, for example, the gap between five year and 30 year treasuries, it is actually the narrowest it's been since March of 2020. So long term, this is perhaps a more dampening effect on longer term inflation expectations and yields. Bob Michael, December 15th, when the Federal Reserve meets and we get a news conference, I've got no idea when the hearings are. What are you looking for around that time, at a time when the Fed chair is looking to get confirmed for a second term? Well, we've been talking about that, and, and it looks as though the reappointment process, uh, since he's the current sitting Fed chair, could take uh, no more than two months. I would expect very dovish rhetoric coming out of the Federal Reserve between now and, say, mid-January until the reappointment. Um, has gone through Congress. So, Bob, what do you think of that now with Vice Chair Clarida potentially just unleashed? He can say whatever he wants to say. He made a move on Friday to talk about maybe we need to discuss the taper pace. Governor Waller's already out there saying the same thing. How do you bat that away in the middle of December? Do you know what? I love hearing to the former FOMC officials. They're so candid and yep. unlike anything we've seen uh, when they've be, been sitting. But you know what? It doesn't really <clears throat> matter. You have um, a reappointed chair, you have a new vice chair, um, and the vote will coalesce around them going forward. Do you think it compromises the, the December 15th decision? Bob, the way you see things right now, they're going to have a new set of forecasts, a new dot plot. Those forecasts have got to be adjusted for the incoming inflation data. Do you think it compromises that meeting? Uh, I don't think it will. I think that the expectation for that meeting all along has been, boy, we can't wait to see the dot plot. I wonder where those will be. But because they've just begun the tapering process, all the commentary and rhetoric around it will still be somewhat divish. That, you know, things could still be transitory. They don't want to rush into starting the, the rate hike cycle. Those are two distinct and separate things until a lot of the yeah. lost unemployment has been recovered. Extending beyond futures, John, what I see here is SPX up 27 points, Dow up 156 points, even the VIX coming in with a vengeance. Michael McKee with us along with some wonderful guests to come in the next uh, 25 uh, minutes. Michael McKee, the market votes. The market is voting, and as Lisa mentioned, an interesting move uh, for banks going higher. Uh, that is probably because Lael Brainerd was not chosen as the vice chair for supervision. She was seen as a tough regulator on the banks, which means that the next three appointments that President Biden still has to make could be quite important and could be definitely uh, sort of signed to the left wing uh, of his party that he is hearing their concerns. We might actually get a tougher bank regulator. You look at the nominee for the controller of the currency and you think uh, the Biden administration doesn't have any problem with being tough on banks. So perhaps uh, celebrating that too early <laughs> might be a mistake. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is probably going to like whoever gets chosen as vice chair of supervision. And then there are two other seats. So the president still has three seats and no indication of when we're going to see those. So, Mike, looking at the banks in particular, there is this question about uh, the yield curve contracting and that typically being negative for the banks. We are seeing that to some degree, whereas a lot of their income does hinge on the front end. Do you really think that the regulatory backdrop is so material right now for the banks, given the Fed's role? Not at the moment. And as uh, Bob was just saying, I, I think a lot of the reaction we see in the markets is knee jerk. The regulatory issues will be more important as we go down the road. But front and center for markets, uh, both in fixed income and equities and also in currencies, is going to be how soon the Fed raises rates, how strong the U.S. economy is. And w while the Fed may wait a while to raise rates, the guessing game is already underway and every piece of data is going to feed into that and higher rates at the long end in a sense, will be good for the uh, banking system. But uh, the concomitant part of that is that if you have higher rates and it slows down business, it 
may slow down lending. Uh, so there, there's some good and bad ahead for uh, for people who are trying to trade banks. Mike McKee on the composition, the potential composition of this FOMC. A fantastic lineup through the next 20 minutes. We'll hear from Priya Misra, Eric Friedman. We'll hear from Danny Blanchflower too on this decision from this White House. I've got one final question for Bob Michael at JP Morgan Asset Management. Bob, for the people just tuning in to put you on the spot, if you had to bet for next year, zero hikes, one, two or more. Bob Michael, what would you be going with right now? Two hikes, September and December. Bottom line, simple, easy. Bob Michael, good to catch up, <laughs> sir. Thanks for logging on and catching up with us very quickly after that decision. We appreciate it. Bob Michael there of JP Morgan Asset Management. Lisa, Bob Michael, looking for two. Yeah, well, market right now consensus is for two questions just as when, uh, July or June even being potentially where it is. Honestly, how much discussion is there about accelerating the taper, especially with oh, Fed Vice Chair Rich Clarida unleashed? Chairman Powell nominated for a second term by this White House. Governor Brainerd nominated to be elevated from governor to Fed vice chair. That decision coming 38 minutes ago. Happy to say that joining us now is Priya Misra of TD Securities. Priya, yields higher up five basis points on twos, up four basis points on tens. We fade just a little bit. Can I get your early reaction to that decision from 40 minutes ago? Sure. Thanks, John. So, yeah, I think the market was pricing in 30, 40% chance of Brainerd. So as that's been taken down, I think the market is putting higher rates in that front end with a view that Governor Brainerd was likely to be more dovish, uh, was more likely to be ideologically waiting for the labor market to recover fully. So I think the market's pricing in that, you know, I think um, the, the idea that there will be continuity, but Chair Powell might be stepping away from this idea that the labor market needs to fully heal. But I will flag that this talk around accelerated taper, and let's see from the minutes, I think it's way too early for the Fed to be talking about accelerating taper. Maybe we see that in the minutes. I think that's also playing into this, because if they accelerate taper, they can hike much sooner. The market now is pricing in the first hike in June of 22. So that tells you that it's the combination of, I think, Chair Powell getting renominated, plus now you have three mm -hmm. Fed officials talking about an accelerating taper. So it's the combination of the two. Priya, Jean Bovin uh, with the Bank of Canada and now at BlackRock and really truly a first-rate economic mind out of Princeton with Blinder, I should say. And Jean Bovin says... We're getting this wrong. It's not an inflation watch. It's an employment watch. Your call is on the edge. You are the outlier call, Priya Misra. Fold in the unemployment and wage growth dynamics to your call that this is a Fed that will wait and wait. Right. So our economists do have the Fed not hiking until uh, well into 2023, largely because of that labor market point, because we do expect people to, over time, there are frictions in the labor market, and so it hasn't happened so far, but through the course of next year, to people for people to return to the labor market. And that's going to put downward pressure on wage inflation. And ultimately, we think that CPI or PCE, so inflation uh, numbers are not sustained if you don't have wage inflation. Because, you know, ultimately it's going to hurt growth and, 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 and consumption when, when that purchasing power um, is, is not there. So I do think it's, it's, it's about the labor market. And if we see a fiscal drag next year, we see people coming back. So there's this hidden slack in the labor market that starts to show up. Then the Fed will, I think, be vindicated, into, or at least those in the Fed who are arguing to let it run hot, will be vindicated in the fact that inflation is likely to come off and there's no urgency for the Fed to hike. But it is going to come down, yes, to, to that labor market. Do we see people return? Or was COVID such a structural shock to the system that people have left permanently? I think that's really the big question for the next six months. Priya, all in all, your call again is just, you're just incredibly against what's going on now. The calls that are out there, the worries as John gamed out, tapering and rate rises and such. What do they misestimate? What is the thing in this November, the time of outlooks? What is consensus most getting wrong? I think it's the so the, the couple of things. It's an idea that the Fed is under pressure on the inflation front that, that they won't be able to withstand months, uh, you know, month after month of high inflation trends. <clears throat> 
And this is where I'd say the um, the new Fed officials coming in, or or uh, Governor Brainerd as the new vice chair. Assuming all these get confirmed, I think that's going to be important. Can they withstand that pressure? And even if Chair Powell might be taking a tiny step back, saying, you know, maybe we need to reassess policy or we need to be humble. I think so, so. So the market may be some may be misinterpreting how quickly the Fed caves under inflation. I think that's part of it, and part of it is fiscal drag. I think the assumption is that the high savings of the consumer will be enough to offset fiscal drag. But when we look at the composition of savings, much of the savings is actually the top one percent. And so, you know, when the fiscal drag is felt by the rest of the economy, we think it's going to impact growth. It's going to impact that goods-to-service consumption shift that everyone's looking for, and savings may not be enough. And maybe people want precautionary savings because we're in a world where there's a lot of uncertainty it's out true. there. So that might be mis- uh, misunderstood as well. Priya, always, always feel lucky to catch up with you, particularly this morning off the back of this decision. Priya Misra there of TD Securities. As we learned that the President of the United States is nominating Chairman Powell for a second term at the top of the Fed and looking to elevate Governor Brainerd from Governor to Vice Chair of the Federal Reserve. And that decision coming about 43 minutes ago. You will hear from all three potentially at 1.20 Eastern time when we hear from the President of the United States. Get that one in the diary. 1.20 Eastern, the President of the United States, Chairman Powell, Governor Brainerd. 1.20 Eastern time. We'll take that in full on Bloomberg TV and radio. We talked a lot, Tom, about this move in the bond market. Let's talk about the move in the equity market. All-time highs on the S&P, record highs on the Nasdaq. John, the Nasdaq 100 is a great story. The three of us on surveillance 12 months ago were listening to the death of technology. John Golub of Credit Suisse really and courageously pushed against that. But, John, I'll tell you, Dow up 17%, maybe Boeing-induced, Standard & Poor's up 26%. John, I wasn't aware till this morning, year-to-date, NASDAQ 100 is outpacing the Standard & Poor's 500. That's a vote for technology and growth in America. Just a massive move, Tom. You're right to point it out. I'm pleased to say that joining us now is Eric Friedman, the Chief Investment Officer at U.S. Bank Asset Management. Eric, at times like this, it's difficult to distinguish between a knee-jerk reaction, a move that might not last five minutes, and a move that might be a little bit more durable. How do you do that on a morning like this morning, Eric? Hey, Jonathan, good morning. Thanks so much for having me on. I, I think your, your point is, is well taken. I, I would say that some of the movement in, in both the financial sector plus small caps this morning is a reverse of what we saw the past, let's call it, six, seven trading sessions. Those were the spots of the market that were really under relative pressure. And and so I think that part of today's, uh, let's, let's call it, sigh of relief, if you will, from the reopening trade is the idea that we will have some continuity. Uh, So I would say that our viewpoint remains the glass is half full. Clearly, this is a a Fed that's not going to be in as much transition as markets perhaps thought as as early, I should say, as late as as Friday, Saturday of this weekend. So Brainerd was was certainly viewed as, as a transitional pick. And perhaps what this means, Jonathan, is that this is the administration saying, you know what, Let's let's keep an, an olive branch, if you will, uh, towards the other side of the aisle, and having a uh, you know a continuity with with Chair Powell. Uh, we of course have midterms, which are less than uh, less than twelve months away. So so continuity is really the word of the day. But we still think this continues that gra- that glass half full mentality we've been we've been talking about with clients. Eric Jim Bianco of Bianco Research messages in, pointing out that the market now has three full rate hikes priced in for all of next year, beginning uh, in June, with a seventy nine percent chance of a rate hike, and then going on from there. Even May has a significant probability put around it. What would happen in equities if this rate? market is correct. I think, Lisa, it's, it's something that we look at June as probably being that, that transitional month. We think that May is probably a bit early, and, and you've done a great job as a team covering the, the tapering dynamic. So for us, it's really more about the terminal level. And I, I'm just, uh, again, so enthusiastic to listen to Tom's uh, consistent message about terminal cash flow discounting. So in other words, if the market is wrong, and that that terminal rate is is going to be higher than 1.5, 1.75%, that's, a, that's an equity market that has to reprice lower. So for us, we think that the, the initial wave of, of, um, of liftoff, if you will, that can be, uh, whether it's, it's June, whether that's the July 27th meeting, those are 
those are okay in the market's eyes. But I think that what would be a really ch- a really challenging outcome for markets, Lisa, would be if the Fed starts talking up a higher terminal rate. That's not priced in right now. Right now, what kind of data would we need to see, would the Fed need to see to start to move up or signal that that ultimate Fed funds rate would end at a much higher rate than the market's expecting? At least with a, with a Powell-driven Fed, uh, employment data is going to be just mission critical. He has gone out of his way to signal that that is a uh, that's that's the market he's paying cl- most close attention to. So if we see labor force participation pick up, if we see people move away from the sidelines and actually into the market, but also and into the jobs market, but then also into a, a more widespread mm-hmm. set of jobs, that would be the critical level that we think would be the signal, if you will, that uh, the chair Powell says, you know what, we, we, we thought the market, the labor market would be stubborn. They're not. And we may have to raise rates faster as well as higher. Eric Friedman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Greatly appreciate it uh, as well. Joining us now from Dartmouth College, of course, a gentleman who has sat with the Bank of England and is definitive on our monetary theory, our employment and our wages. David Blanchflower joins us uh, this morning. Professor Blanchflower, thank you so much. What this comes down to, and Jean Bovin, you know, of the Bank of Canada, uh, and I believe a team that lost to Dartmouth in Ivy League football this weekend (laughs) from Princeton as well. Jean Bovin made very clear this is about jobs. That is your wheelhouse. Should Chairman Powell and Vice Chairman Brainerd, should they fear wage growth? No, I don't think they should fear it. I mean, we've seen so little wage growth in the last 50 years, um, so I don't think they should fear it. But I've listened to all the commentary going on. I think these these appointments make sense. I think Powell has said something which I really agree with and everyone seems to have missed, which is the Fed is sitting, waiting and watching and could move in either direction. And I think much of what I've been listening to is guessonomic. It really depends upon how this economy moves, what long-run changes in behavior there are, and what happens to the virus when cases are rising. So I think the answer is that the market's got well ahead of itself, just as it did at the Bank of England, and we'll see what happens to adjustments in the labor market. I mean, people have been retiring, people have been leaving, and part of it, I think, is temporary because of of the virus. Obviously, people's 401ks have risen, but we really don't know what these market reactions are going to be, especially in the labor market. So I think the market entirely got ahead of itself. Yep. Um, it really depends on what's coming. I mean, I understand that, you know, if this, then the, the answer comes. But bank presidents coming out saying, you know, we should be tightening the three rate rises coming in, in 2022. Well, that's for the birds. I mean, we and may Danny, well they've always got to deal with that. You know what it was like at the Bank of England yeah. for you. Forgive me, Danny, of because course. we have to keep it pretty short. And what we'll do is we'll rebook you and have a longer conversation. But just a final word sure. on this. How do you remain patient? How do you communicate this, that you're willing to wait? with inflation with a six-handle. How would uh, you do that? How would you guide it? I I would say that we have seen recent rises in inflation. It's not the Fed's job to respond to every single month. The question is, what happens 18 months ahead? And we don't exactly know that. We're going to sit and wait and see if this pattern repeats itself. And I think Powell has really been spot on where he kind of pushed against, we're just raising, where he said, there's possibilities in the other direction. So I think the answer is the quick question is this stuff going to get repeated yep. and are we going to see rises in 2020? If we do, then you have to respond. But if you don't and all the prices are falling, the world container index is falling and the, the Baltic dry is falling. If those things continue, the path will be very different to what the market says. And remember, markets got it completely wrong in 08 as well. Danny, always appreciate catching up with you. I know you've got a tight schedule as well this morning, so thank you, sir. Danny Blanchard there of Dartmouth. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on The Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg.